You are listening to the Phenom NBA Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network. Powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Phenom NBA Show. I'm Richard Duma. These are my partners, Trayvon Hastings and Ismael Sai. And today we have a very interesting episode. And the first thing we are going to talk about jumping straight into it is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're 8-7 and seven on the season. They just got Jarrett Allen in that huge James Harden trade. Colin Sexton is looking like an MVP candidate right now, averaging 26.8 points a game, 4.2 assists on 52.3% from the field and 46.8% from three. So Izzy, I know that you're a Cavs fan. How are you feeling about your team right now? And especially Colin Sexton. I feel great. I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. Um, Especially these past two games against Brooklyn, the Cavs have looked great. Obviously Colin Sexton, as you said, looking like an MVP candidate. I know he's probably not going to be in the award race later down the line, but he's still playing well. Um, this team has definitely improved in every asset of ba- aspect of basketball this season, especially the defensive end. They were dead last last year. Now they're a top five, I believe, in defensive rating. Um, they definitely look really, really good. Uh, Jared Allen, great pickup from Brooklyn, especially considering what they had to give up just to just to get him. They didn't have to give up much, and he definitely proved that he's worth more, and he's playing really, really, really well right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, this team has definitely been a pleasant surprise in the NBA. You know, they sent a message to the league by beating Brooklyn twice in a row. So we could, it'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does moving forward, but I'm definitely very happy to see, as a Cavs fan, I'm definitely happy to see them playing really well right now. Trayvon, I see you smirking. Trey, what do you think? Um, I'm, I'm smirking because Richard said MVP candidate. Like, settle down. Most improved player, baby steps, and then we can get the MVP. But uh, it's funny. We've talked about the Cavs and the Nets and the Sixers or whoever else basically every single episode. So I, I admit it's, it's funny. You probably – I'm laughing because I feel like you pulled that Cavs hat out of the garbage. Is <laughs> they're irrelevant again? No, it's, it's been hanging up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks pretty shiny, so knock the dust off of it. But Colin Sexton is playing. He's playing oh, okay. right now. So he's being really efficient with the ball. Jared Allen was a huge pickup for them. Even Andre Drummond has been impressive. I mean – Andre Drummond's very suspect at times, but 
he's played really well, I think, on both sides of the ball at times this year. They've got a lot of guards as well. I mean, they've dealt with – they probably have a better record. They'd probably be in the top two or three in the Eastern Conference had they not lost Sexton and Garland and all these guys for a long period of time like they did. They finally got rid of Kevin Porter Jr. I wish him the best. I think Cleveland was kind of toxic in the whole situation, but I think he can do big things in Houston, especially for a team that is, I would say, rebuilding. They've got a weird mix trees and guards and not a lot of forwards and a lot of veterans and not of and some like the Cavs need to figure out what direction they're going in because there's guys like Kevin Love that they need to move and then there's also guys like Colin Sexton and Okoro and Garland those guys are going to be there for a while and I feel like once they figure out the identity of the team their offense will be better because they're actually being out – I think they're only averaging 106 a game right now. And their defense is number two in the league. So behind uh, the Knicks, believe it or not. But, <laughs> I mean, they're doing a lot of good things, I think. So, I mean, they're definitely a surprise on the season. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree that the Cavs are a very surprising team. You know, they've been playing great basketball so far. They got rid of Kevin Porter Jr., and I think they're finally – starting to finalize the roster and finishing up the rebuild a little bit. And speaking of finalizing the roster to finish up the rebuild a little bit, do you think that they should get rid of Andre Drummond? And if they do, should they get rid of him for picks or should they get rid of him for more assets? And Izzy, I'm going to ask you this question as well. Yeah, Trayvon, you go first. Uh, personally, I will. Personally, it's hard to trade Drummond because I don't think there's a lot of teams that value his style of play. The only teams I think right now that would even make a move at him are Boston and Portland with Nurkic being out. I don't think that's something they're going to do. I think Washington would consider Andre Drummond. Even potentially, if they can somehow like re- rework this, the Nets try to get Andre Drummond because they don't have a big guy right now. And I know there's rumors that they're going to try to get JaVale McGee from the Cavs after the Cavs demolished them two games in a row. But mm, it's hard to say with Drummond. I personally would just say picks because I don't really know their draft capital situation, but they need to move in the direction of adding youth to the team rather than assets that let's be honest, probably aren't going to make that big of an impact on the team. So that's kind of I, – I would say pick. All right. If I'm the Cavs, I try to trade Drummond, and I look at the market, and I say, okay, we have a center here that if we play Jarrett Allen there with these minutes, it probably won't make much of a difference. Jarrett Allen and Andre Drummond are two quality centers that can do their thing on the court. Cavs have too many big men. So I say if I'm the Cavaliers, I go around, see which teams want to give them picks. But at the same time, there probably aren't many – rebuilding teams that would give them good value for what they want for a guy like Andre Drummond, especially with the salary situation. So if I'm the Cavs, I try to trade Drummond for picks, but if I'm other teams, I also don't don't take that deal. So I think the Cavs are just going to have to end up letting his contract expire and letting him walk. And you have to try to look for picks, but the chances of them actually getting them are very slim to none. And I also want to say this. When and how many years, a reasonable time frame, do you think the 
the Cleveland Cavaliers can be a contender. Trey, I'm aiming this at you. When and how? When, I, I don't know. To me, the Eastern Conference is going to be ruled by Boston and Atlanta for the entirety of this decade. And obviously the Bucks are going to be competing because they have Giannis for at least half of the decade. And Brooklyn, at least for a couple years. Indiana is someone is a team that's really underrated right now. They've got a lot of youth. Uh, hopefully Levert can come back whenever that time is. I know he's got a mass in his kidney right now, so prayers up for that. But it's hard to say with the Cavs about being a contender because I just – I don't see them being a contender right now. I They've got a lot of work to do, I think. I don't know. I know Sexton right now looks like a really good primary offensive player, but I feel like in order for them to really take the next step, Sexton's got to expand his game. He is scoring a lot of points, but he doesn't really contribute on the boards. He doesn't really – the assist thing's mostly Garland's responsibility, but Sexton's got to be able to make plays for other guys as well other than just scoring because I know that's, that's probably a knock on him is he can score the ball with anybody in the league, but his assist numbers aren't very good. His defense is sometimes suspect. They've got to get true, like, forwards. They don't need any more centers. They need guys on the wings that can – be three and D guys or something to try to complement Sexton and Garland and Akaro. That's that's what I feel like. That would be how. I don't really know when though. I I like that answer. I really do. Three and D forwards is where I really think right now. If you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, you understand your time frame. You understand your situation. You understand that even with the record you have, you're not going to be competing with this team, and you know you got to make changes to kind of finalize everything, get to that point where you can start winning some more basketball teams, and maybe make some deep playoff runs later in the decade, whenever that may be. Do you, as the Cavs, do you? I would say that you would look for those three and D guys in the draft rather than in free agency. Because if you are the Cleveland Cavaliers and you're looking at a team that is going up, you got young guys that you're going to develop. I think what you got to do is you got to go to that NBA draft and you got to get forwards and you have to develop them within the system. If you look to free agency, you got three and D guys that have played for other teams that have played for other situations. You see them and you really can't change them because a lot of three and D guys have been in this league for a long time. Yeah. You can get some young ones too, but at the same time, you're really not going to change who they are. And I'm not saying you have to completely change their mold, but if you draft a guy straight from college, straight from Europe, wherever that may be, you can take them. You could say, Hey, you can guard the perimeter, maybe post, depending on whether it's small forward or power forward, either or. And you can shoot the three ball. You look at those guys. You can bring them into the Cavs. You can say, hey, you're in the NBA right now. you got Sexton on your team that's going to handle most of the scoring. Garland's going to drop dimes. you got whatever center that they have, probably going to rotate a bit. Jared Allen, if they want to keep him for the long run, you say, hey, your job on this team is to play defense and shoot the three ball. And I think if you develop that and you get them used to the cap system, I think that will be very crucial for Cleveland going forward. And moving on from Cleveland, you have another team that a lot of people are interested in right now, and that is the Brooklyn Nets. Now, they just got James Harden. 
Now, they're still kind of getting used to each other, still getting within the system. I said, I've been kind of saying this, they're going to slide a little bit after this trade. They're going to have to get used to the chemistry. They're going to have to get used to having to share the ball. That's going to be an issue for the next couple days, next couple weeks, however long that may be, until they finally pick back up again. Harden's getting a lot of assists still, but his points have dropped when he got to Brooklyn. He's not scoring the ball as much. Kyrie, however, is scoring a lot more than I suspected. In his last three games, he's had 28 points. He's had 38 points the game before this and 37 the game before that. Kevin Durant is still doing Kevin Durant things. You put him in OKC. You put him in Golden State. You put him in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is going to do Kevin Durant things, and there's not really much you can change about that. So you see these last couple of games. You see the two L's to Cleveland. You see the tough win against the Jimmy Butler list Miami Heat. If you're the Nets, are you are you worried at all? Personally, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not worried because at the end of the day, two games is two games. Uh, it doesn't matter if you win them or if you lose them. Considering that they just got James Harden and they haven't really had time to mesh together and considering that their team is very incomplete right now. I mean, I don't think they have a competent big man on their roster. Yes, DeAndre Jordan does not count as one. Anyway, um, they just really need to fill out their roster with, like Trey said, in what we were saying about Cleveland, they really need to fill out their roster with 3 and D guys and big men as well because this team has no type of defense. I mean, Every any NBA team with an elite big man is going to drop 40 and 12 on them. We've seen it with Bam. We uh, Jared Allen, Andre Drummond, and Larry Nance were having a field day against them. So come playoff time against like an elite team with an elite big man like Joel Embiid or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, then that's going to be a problem for them. But again, I'm not worried about Brooklyn because again, playoff time we know what they're going to do. We know what we know what they can be. So I, I think people just need to pump the brakes a little bit. It's not time to panic in Brooklyn yet. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Okay, Trey, you want to talk? I see you holding your mic. You, you can go. You can so, go. All right. So Brooklyn, I'm not worried either. But for this season, you you want to keep Katie, Kyrie, and you will want to keep Kevin Durant past this season, obviously. I don't think this is going to be a one-season thing. I, this, I think this is going to go for the next couple years. This season – I think they're going to lose to the Lakers in the finals. If I know a lot of people have them as championship contenders, but in my opinion, LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to go back-to-back seven games against Brooklyn, possibly six. Circumstances arise. If you're Brooklyn, you don't have a core anymore. Besides the three guys that you have, you, Karis LeVert is gone. Once again, prayers up for him. A lot of your guys, Jared Allen is gone. A lot of your guys that you have on the team that you had on the team before the trade are gone now. So you really, along with the picks that you had, so you don't have any capital right now to trade for defense. You don't really have any capital to trade for the three and D guys. And you don't really have any picks to draft three and D guys in defense. So, and the salary cap is limited too. So you're going to really, if you're Brooklyn and you want to, obviously you're going to stay competitive, but if you want to go over that, that pond, if you're the Brooklyn Nets GM right now, you have to find some gems in free agency. You got to do some deep scouting into the second round, late first round, whatever picks you somehow get. No one knows what picks they're going to have yet. But you got to look at what picks you have and you got to look at your salary cap and you really have to put some good effort into finding some guys that can complement Kyrie, KD, and James Harden to win more games and win championships. I. I would agree with that. I think that makes sense. 
the one thing I will say, and I know Harris Goldstein is somewhere listening at some point, they have to consider, in my opinion, trading Kyrie. What I saw from Katie and Harden without Kyrie proves they don't need Kyrie. And as long as they can trade Kyrie and get a more complimentary player that can be a third option, but also bring back more assets as well. The one team I know we've had a lot of discussion about is the Pelicans. If you get Eric Bledsoe and you bring along with him a Josh Hart or a Nikhil Alexander-Walker or somebody of that caliber, or Kyra Lewis, who the Pelicans drafted this year, that will increase their depth and that will, that will improve their defense. Bledsoe was a all-defensive first-team player last year. I, Jonathan, I, whatever, I'm not going to go there. But Bledsoe is a great complimentary piece. And the way that he plays, he's all slasher. I, he's not a great shooter. He can shoot a little bit. But Bledsoe can defer to those guys and he can play off of those guys. And his defense will really set them apart. Because right now, the really the only true defenders they have on the team are it's Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is their only player that is a real poor Richard because you know they traded him, but he's the only one that I feel like legitimately is a really good defender for this team. And when Bruce Brown plays twenty plus minutes, the Nets are like six and two, and when he doesn't, the record basically is flipped. He makes, as much as it sounds crazy, I feel like he makes the Nets go because his impact for them, he's very versatile. He can shoot. He doesn't need the ball. He can definitely play off of those guys. And if they do go small, honestly, their best lineup might be KD at the five because he's so long. And if you put KD at the five, the other four guys are probably guys that those guys, that the other, the opposing team can't guard. Like if you put... Joe Harris at the four. I'm sorry, Larry Nance Jr. is not guarding Joe Harris. He can't. Too many screens, too much ball movement. He will get lost, and he can't. he's not able to stick, stay with him. That's just an example. But to me, they have two centers on the roster, DeAndre Jordan and our boy Nicholas Claxton. They have to get another guy. They need to get at least one more guy. And I know Jeff Green's been playing a lot of five for them, but – He's not P.J. Tucker. He's not going to do that, and he's not Draymond either. It's not going to happen. JaVale McGee would be a really good fit for this team because he can play like DeAndre Jordan, but he can play a lot better than DeAndre Jordan can. And he also, I'll say he puts in more effort than DeAndre Jordan does. They, When they paid DeAndre Jordan, they honestly should have took that money and tried to go get somebody that was going to be a little bit more impactful to their team than DeAndre Jordan, but Katie and Kyrie wanted him. So they got their wish. But I think the best route for them is to trade Kyrie because the offense with Harden and KD is absurd. Harden will still score 35, but he'll have 12 assists. And KD will still score 35 too. It's the playmaking of Harden that will make this team go because if he doesn't playmake, it's not going to work because then he'll try to be getting too many shots as well. Obviously, he's the one that's sacrificing and deferring to them, which – Credit to Kyrie, he actually came back and, like, dominated the first three games. So if he continues that, it's going to be – they're going to run away with the East if he continues to do that. I agree with that, too. And 
Eric Bledsoe for Kyrie Irving, I think, is a great option for the Nets. You look at a guy who's a great defensive perimeter point guard and who can provide you with some defense, and you don't really need Kyrie for scoring or playmaking. You have James Harden who can do both of those things. And if you get a defensive guy, that'll be key. And like you said about Bruce Brown, is, is also not crazy because he, he's their guy on defense. He's going to do whatever. He's going to play some minutes. He's going to come in, and he's going he's gonna to clamp up a guy on the court. And he's such – he has such good defensive impact on a team. Since I started watching him in Detroit, a lot of people hated it on him because he wasn't scoring points. And you look at the statue and you say, oh, he scored six points and he got one assist. This guy sucks. No, he doesn't. He's such a good defensive player at that shooting guard small forward position. And a lot of people didn't realize that. And when Troy Weaver came in and flipped him for – Basically, basically nothing. It made no sense to me because yes, we're rebuilding. Yeah, we're trying to get picks, but Bruce Brown is also still so young at 24, 25 years old, however old he is, somewhere in that mid-20 area. I don't understand why we'd flip him when we could keep him. He could show teams how much defensive value he had, and we could, even if we were to trade him at the end of the day, we could get more for him if he were to show other teams other scouts that he could play that type of defense and have the impact that he's showing in Brooklyn right now on such a good team. So Bruce Brown has such good impact. And I basically agree with everything you just said regarding to Brooklyn. And Izzy, do you, do you want to add anything right there? Cause that was kind of a long, long little thing. I'm just laughing because <laughs> the Pistons are like three and 13. <laughs> and like, Pain. <laughs> I'm just wondering if they had Bruce Brown instead of Isaiah Stewart or Sadiq Bey or whoever, what their record would be. It'd probably still be the same, but, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> okay, so after, after, I just feel so bad for Richard after that rant. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree 100% with what Trey said. Um, from a pure basketball standpoint, trading Kyrie makes, <laughs> makes the most sense because – you can bring in assets not only for your future, but you can also bring in assets for the win-now window that you have with, with James Harden and Kevin Durant. And to me, personally, you don't need Kyrie Irving. You have James Harden. You have Kevin Durant. Two otherworldly basketball players. Two amazing scorers. And then if you can bring in a guy like a Bledsoe and maybe even, maybe even like a – like Trey said, a Josh Hart with him, or maybe potentially Jackson Hayes because they need a big man. I don't know if, if New Orleans would do that, but but anyway, something to throw out there. But yeah, Brooklyn definitely needs to fill out their roster, and trading Kyrie is their best avenue to do so because Lord knows they have no draft picks and they have no guys that team, teams want because, I mean, Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan is, is going to get you maybe a turkey sandwich. It's not going to get you much. So trading Kyrie is definitely the best option for this team. Kyrie, Kyrie for Bledsoe, Kyrie and like DeAndre Jordan for Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams makes so much sense. I don't know why the Nets don't do that. I really don't. I can, I can see some sense to why New Orleans wouldn't do that, whether it's because Kyrie is taking away opportunities for Brandon Ingram and Zion to, you know, be those primary ball handlers and playmakers for them. Because if Kyrie goes there, Brandon Ingram essentially is what he would be playing by LeBron, and that is a way less player than he is right now. And with Steven Adams, I personally – it was interesting to see him get traded. I didn't know that was going to happen. I thought it might, but not to the Pelicans. They have Jackson Hayes. I think they should really 
really try to invest in Jackson Hayes and develop him, and you're not going to do that having him play behind Steven Adams. I just think if the Nets – the Nets look way better, and I think of them as a way more serious contender to win the title if they go with Bledsoe, Harden, Durant, Joe Harris, and Steven Adams instead of Kyrie, Harden, Durant, Joe Harris, and who – and I mean, whoever else you want to throw in the lineup. Because Dinwiddie's a free agent at the end of the season. And to be quite honest, I don't think he's going to come back now. I really don't because he – it's different when he's coming off the bench or Steve Nash had him starting actually. But when he's playing off the bench or he's the second, third option, whatever, he's, he's coming in and really taking the minutes of one primary ball handler, which would be Kyrie or D'Angelo Russell in past years. Now he comes on the floor. You still have two of the three guys out there most likely. So – trying to find that balance is going to be hard for the Nets to do, which is why I think just trading Kyrie fixes a lot of their issues because Steven Adams defensively would fix a lot of their issues as well. And I know he's probably not available, but Clint Capella is having a heck of a season right now. He is on fire right now. That's someone the Nets also also should try to get. I doubt they will get him, but it's some it's somebody they should consider. Or even John Collins, because we all know he's not gonna come back from he's not gonna come back next year in Atlanta. They could probably get John Collins for cheap. They should do that. Because he's a big man and he's he would be easily their third he'd be easily their fourth best player if they still had Kyrie in that scenario. I think so too. I like I like the idea for um I like the idea for Kyrie for Bledsoe. I mentioned this earlier. My only issue with having John Collins on the team, if you still have Kyrie, is that you, you still have no defense. You have another score, but at the same time, John Collins is a guy that kind of needs the ball in his hand. So I like the idea of um, Josh Hart off the bench. I like the idea of a Jackson Hayes or a Steven Adams on the Nets. I really, I really like the, especially Steven Adams. I don't know if the Pelicans will be willing to give him up. They, the Pelicans might want another guy or pick in that package if they want to give up Steven Adams as well. But besides the Nets, there is another intriguing, intriguing team in the Eastern Commons right now. They're called the Philadelphia 76ers. They got, they got Ben Simmons. They got a bunch of shooters and they got, they got the first seed in the Eastern Conference, and they also got this one random center guy or whoever named Joel Embiid, and he is looking insane. And Izzy, you got a finger up. You want to say something about him being an MVP candidate right now? This is the MVP list. This is Joel Embiid. Everybody – oh, no, I'm kidding. But anyway, um, Joel Embiid has definitely – been amazing. I picked Philly to go to the conference finals, and I'm so, I'm still very very mad that they didn't trade for James Harden. Trey and I talked about that on the podcast last week. I'm, I'm still mad that they didn't because I believe they would be in the NBA finals if they had James Harden and Joel Embiid. But anyway, um, Philly looks great. Ben Simmons, you know, he's picked it up recently with his play. Joel Embiid is still dominating any anyone who's guarding him. I mean, if when Joel Embiid is locked in, he's potentially a, a top eight, top seven player in the NBA. That's how good he is. That's how good he can be when he's locked in and when he's engaged. And that's why Doc Rivers was such a good hire for them because he, he knows how to deal with, you know, guys that, you know, can be lackadaisical at times. And then he's made sure that Embiid is locked in and made sure that he believed that he can be the best center in the NBA, which I believe he can be. And come playoff time, again, if Brooklyn doesn't get a center, they're going to have huge, huge problems with Philly and their size. 
and they could potentially get upset. I mean, but anyway, yeah, Embiid definitely looks great, and he's my MVP pick right now. You said you were upset. I I agree with Embiid. MVP doesn't sound too crazy. You could put Jokic there. You could put Luka there down the line. You could put whoever you want for the MVP. Embiid MVP is not an unreasonable thing right now at all. You said you're mad that Philly didn't trade for James Harden. My only issue is that with that is how much Philly would have to give up to give James Harden because Philly is such a good team not only because they have Embiid because they have Ben Simmons but they also have such a good core relying on relying on the shooting outside of that that they picked up this season and then they have Matisse Thybulle who's up and coming who's going to get better and improve as a player and you take the 76ers now if a trade did include Ben Simmons for Harden James Harden is going to take a lot of those touches, and James Harden touches the ball more than Ben Simmons does, he's going to have the ball a lot. So if James Harden was on a team with Joel Embiid, you also got to think, is Embiid going to have the ball as much? He's still going to make his defensive impact. But Joel Embiid's numbers are not going to be as great because James Harden is still going to do James Harden things. And it's not like you have a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving over there that's going to limit his touches and stop him from taking double step backs from seven feet behind the three-point line four times a game. So, yeah, in theory, James Harden and Joel Embiid with the core, or even Ben Simmons, James Harden, and Joel Embiid with no anything besides them even sounds, you know, like a very, very good team, which they still would be. But if I'm Philly, what's working right now, if this is going to stay working, and even you said that they would um, – you said that the Nets are – a great team right now, or sorry, that Philly would provide a problem for the Nets because they didn't have a core. So if Philly did the same thing that Brooklyn did and basically got rid of their core to have James Harden on their team, would other teams in the East provide a problem for Philly because Philly has no core? Would it work that way as well? I don't think it works that way because I think Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey alone is better than what a majority of what Brooklyn traded for James Harden. Ben Simmons alone is going, he's pretty much the equivalent of all of those draft picks. I mean, let's be honest. The only way that that trade is a win for the Rockets is if they hit on every single one of those picks. And if they don't, they lost that trade. It's the truth. It was interesting to see them flip Levert for Oladipo. I like that move, but, and now with the mass, thing and uh, Levert's long chest, whatever. It, it kind of was like a weird, it's kind of weird how that played out, but with Philadelphia, I feel like they could have kept a lot more of their core than Brooklyn did trading for Harden because Ben Simmons has so much value. They didn't want to trade Ben Simmons. They were somewhat reluctant to trade Ben Simmons. And by doing that, you hurt your chances in the entire conference because right now the Nets look unstoppable. Simmons is having a worse season than the previous ones. I know defensively he's probably a top five player in the entire league, but he's – it's not working. I feel like it's not working. They've reached their ceiling. If Embiid doesn't go insane, they don't win because if he doesn't go insane, it's not like Ben Simmons is going to start to go insane. Teams just don't guard him. And if you have, like, Rudy Gobert in the paint, Ben Simmons is pretty much neutralized. 
other than unless obviously you have Joel Embiid on the perimeter and Rudy Gobert is not in the paint. But even then, teams with multiple bigs are going to be able to they're going to be able to contain Ben Simmons and the Sixers. So to me, Harden and Embiid by far and away would have been in the finals because I think that is more firepower than what the Bucks have. And that's if they keep Seth Curry and Tobias Harris and Danny Green and all those 3 and D guys that they have. And then also that's better than Katie and Kyrie because the Nets defense is very suspect. So I feel like if Philly would have made the move, they'd be in a much better position than the Nets are in right now in terms of long-term because right now with the Nets, after your three best players, I mean, if they retire or get hurt or something like Kobe, when he messed up his Achilles, they don't have anything. And then if they get bad, like they don't have their picks, like they have nothing. So it's like, you have this title window. And if you don't hit on your draft picks, well, who, what's going to be your team in 10 years? Because they have, they're going to have to trade these guys down the road in order to get something back to build their team on in the future. Cause they literally have nothing right now. Long-term that I'd be like, Oh yeah, them. Not even Nicholas Claxton. He's decent, but he's not all that. The Nets are the Nets are looking at right now, and the thing with the thing with Houston, you said that obviously. Yeah, I do agree that James Harden and B would be a better fit than um, Simmons and B. I'm not going to argue that. But what the even if the Sixers did include Ben Simmons in a trade package, how much else would they have to give up for James Harden? Because they would have to give up Ben's because the Rockets are not taking Simmons for Harden straight up. They're going to want more for James Harden than just Ben Simmons. So the 76ers are also going to have to give up one of those three and D guys. They're going to have to give up maybe some, maybe some picks besides Ben Simmons, which hurts, hurts their future because obviously they're giving up draft picks or they're going to have to give up one of the three and D guys, whether that be Seth Curry, whether that be Danny Green and any one of those guys you just mentioned. And I don't think the Rockets actually did lose the trade. I actually think they did great on the trade because right now they're not trying to win basketball games. They did do great on the trade. That is very true. I, I don't think the Rockets lost the trade at all with, with Brooklyn because with the picks they got, even if they don't hit in all the picks, they, they get better picks for the future. And if they're not going to win anything with James Harden, regardless, you might as well get rid of them and get higher draft picks because even helping, even just getting rid of James Harden completely and losing more games means you win the trade. If, you, if they gave up, I'm not saying they would have won if they gave up James Harden for absolutely nothing at all. But it wouldn't even been a terrible move because you get better draft picks for the future and you have a better chance of winning in the future by far than you have of now with losing games than winning games and trying to barely crack a playoff spot. That's true. The way I see it with Philadelphia, it's the fact that Embiid and Simmons are so much younger than the guys on the Nets that they'll still have those guys most likely at least eight years down the road. Whereas Brooklyn, those guys will probably be close to, I mean, they'll pretty much be retiring at that point. And at that point, Brooklyn will have that realization of like, we don't have anything to build around because we just don't. They won't, they won't even be able to like somehow lure Jeremy Grant away from the Nuggets like the Pistons did. I, I don't know how that happened, but the Rockets, the Rockets can hit on all those picks. And I do think they did great on the trade. I will say though, if they continue to be competitive like the Thunder did last season, and meanwhile you have teams like the Pistons sitting here at 3-13 and taking away their 
best available prospects, it's going to be hard for them to hit on those picks because they don't have, like, the top pick. Like, it is I throw shade at the Pistons. I just I don't understand. <laughs> how, how have you not traded Blake Griffin yet? It's been, like, the, the moment – the one year they should have had Blake Griffin was when they traded for him. After that, they should have let him go. He should have been done with. Gone. It's sad. It's I know what. And I feel bad for my boy Delon Wright. Because you know what? Delon Wright is underrated. <laughs> he's great, okay? Delon Wright is a great complimentary piece. And he's stuck on the worst team in basketball. I mean, they're even worse than the Knicks. I just... It's hard. <laughs> I, know, I know why Blake Griffin's not gone. Ready? I'm looking around. I see the other 29 teams. I see the Cavs right there. I got the got the Lakers over here. You got the Clippers over there as well, sitting alongside. They're fighting over. You got the Celtics over on this side of the map. Even the Knicks. I look at every other team in the NBA. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants to take that stupid excuse of a large contract for a player that's going to sit on the court and do absolutely nothing but play zero defense and hit maybe four threes a game on a 3-13 and 13 team that's going to fall five spots in the lottery to get the sixth pick when we were trying to get Kate Cunningham this time, but instead are stuck with another terrible center that's going to lead us to a 44-38 and 38 record at our peak, and then we're just going to go through the same cycle over and over again until we're back to the same spot in poverty forever as a terrible franchise that can't win games and can't get a good pick and give players that are going to help us to the 10th seed terrible contracts for zero purpose at all. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select Mocker Maker from Howard (laughs) University. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, I've never laughed so much in my life. And at the end of the season, at the end of the season, signed by Adam Silver, is the seed for the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference with the eighth pick in the draft to select yet another bust. Here you go, Troy Weaver. No. Here you go, organization. For making more terrible moves that only hurt your team. He'll sign a contract allowing the two new expansion franchises to be one in the Western Con- well, yeah, one in the Western Conference, and the other one will just take over the Pistons. The Pistons just won't exist anymore. So, so there you go. <laughs> just wipes out the Pistons completely and just puts a new spot. Yeah. puts a completely new team. Oh my god. The the Seattle Jeremy Grants. That's what they'll be called because they're only <laughs> he's their only capable player at this point. Oh and my he just god. shot three for nineteen last night. So woo exciting. Oh, that's terrible. Jeremy Grant over here <laughs> averaging like twenty one points a game on a three and thirteen team. We're looking like the Detroit Lions type record over here. Okay. As well as Matt Patricia coaching our team, we still have the same exact record. Hey, you guys could bring Matt Stafford on play play uh play point guard since Killian Hayes is out. <laughs> just, just ending, man. Just no, just no, I, I say we want Liege. I have an idea. I have an idea. We get no, we, we get all the Ball brothers. We get all the Ball brothers. You put oh. Liangelo here. 
You get Lonzo to run the point. You got Leangelo at the at the three. Hey, I got that backwards. And you put Lamelo at the two. You get all the Ball brothers, and then you bring on the Ante Tacumpo brothers to play the four and five. Eighty-two and zero. Stack team right there. <laughs> Ball brothers, Ante Tacumpo brothers. You get the Lopez's off the bench. Bring all three Plumleys in just you got, because. Hey, you Lavar coaching the team or what? <laughs> yeah, you bring you bring in Nerlens Noel. You bring in Nerlens Noel to, to get the to get the other 76er center bust that was left from over there. Oh, you guys already have Joel Okafor. That's right. Forgot about him. <laughs> you um, who, who, do you, who else do you get? You, you bring back Anthony Bennett for for those precious backup shooting guard minutes because I, he's probably not even play center anymore. So you put him at shooting guard. Trade a trade Jeremy Grant for Marvin. Bagley already. Might as well. <laughs> may, may, oh, if if we're generous, we'll probably have to include a second rounder in there too. Maybe a first, <laughs> just to get Bagley. Selling point will be that he was a second pick. Because we like taking we like taking guys. We see guys taken in the top five, and we think, oh, previous top five pick must be good. Didn't even look at his name. It could be uh, who was that? John, Johnny Flynn, seventh pick. Yeah, bring him over here. We got him. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. Oh yeah, I, I want him. Yeah, yeah. He's actually he's actually not even that bad. He's actually not even playing that bad. He like <laughs> believe it or not, if you actually watch the business, Isaiah Stewart actually isn't that terrible. Surprisingly, he just he's just a little um. You're just used to Blake Griffin. That's what it is. Yeah, and Andre Drummond. <laughs> Should have kept Greg Monroe, dude. The Greg Monroe Andre Drummond twin towers was insane. No cap. Oh, Rodney Stucky at point. Oh, Reggie Jackson. Brandon Jennings. A random small forward. I mean, you guys even had to buy his Harris at one time. I totally forgot about that, but you did. I don't the, know. Tim and Avery Bradley for Blake Griffin. Yep. That, that's not at all. We also gave up a pick. That started it all. Reggie Bullock gets starting small forward. Yes. Oh man, uh, that's a mm-hmm. mat- that's pain. That's pain. Any anything else you want to cover before we end this? I might I might name the podcast episode Richard's Pistons rant now. Just over the last like ten minutes, I thought that was pretty. That was pretty solid. <laughs> I, um, I have been let listen. Listen, Pistons, I love you, but I had to let off some steam there because it's been excessively frustrating watching mediocrity. And even when we're trash, we're not trash enough to get good picks. And when we are trash enough to get good picks, we end up drafting Austin Day or Henry Ellenson. <laughs> I forgot about Austin Day. Wait, Henry Ellenson with the eighth pick in the draft. Oh, man. I don't know. It's not just mediocrity with the Detroit basketball team. It's mediocrity with everything Detroit right now. I mean, our Red a hey, our Red Wings are two and two right now. So two we're chilling. Two we're chilling. We just took back to back L's to Chicago. Yeah, we suck, so it's fine. But other uh, yeah, Tigers suck too. We're rebuilding. I don't know Casey about the Tigers. Tigers, Tigers, Tigers could shock some people this year. Go Tigers! At least we didn't trade away our whole team like. Uh, the Cleveland baseball team over there, Mr. Sai. Go Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Go New York Francisco. 
Phenom gang knows, bro. They know what I. They know how I feel about. <laughs> how I feel about that. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up, boys. Um, uh, all right, th- this was this was an amazing first episode. There wasn't much to talk about in the league. We ran over some teams. I let off some steam about my Pistons organization that I didn't kind of talk about. <laughs> In the first place for this reason because I was too scared I was gonna get too upset at my team and then I still ended up talking about the Cavs Nets in Philly I somehow managed to get this upset about my team when we spent the last 15 minutes of the podcast talking about the last uh the the last seed in the whole entire NBA so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Phenom NBA show Phenom NBA show not NBE if I can say letters right and we'll see you guys next time Trust the process, DJ.